0: From the Church Pension Group, this is Choose Well.
1: Hi, my name is Krishna Dalakia, and this is Choose Well, the podcast that focuses on well-being, from maintaining physical and psychological health to being financially secure. Today, we're talking about financial capability and investment fraud. Leading the questions for today's episode is Janet Todd. Well, thank you, Krishna. Janet serves as the Director of Curriculum Development for the Church Pension Group. Our guest joining us is Jerry Walsh. Great to be here. Thank you. Jerry is the Senior Vice President of Investor Education at the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, also known as FINRA. We now join Jerry and Janet for part two of their discussion as they move from talking about financial capability to investor fraud.
2: I want to kind of switch the conversation to a second area that FINRA works in, and that's the investment fraud awareness and prevention area. Especially now with COVID-19 going on, we've heard a lot of increase in investors um, fraud. And in general, it seems to be very pervasive. So what are some of the tactics that are used in these different investment fraud schemes?
3: Well, we've been doing a lot of research into fraud susceptibility and how how fraudsters are able to carry out their crimes. And it all comes down um, to uh, psychology, really. So Kind of teeing off our earlier discussion about behaviors that you can engage in, there are actually these psychological tactics that cons use when they're trying to separate you from your money, and um, there are some persuasion tactics um, that are particularly associated with investment fraud. Um, we've done some resource, or sorry, research on um, you know various types of financial fraud like romance scams and the like, and there are different factors that influence those, but. You know, when it comes to investment fraud, the the scammers almost always kind of create this phantom. Right. They, they they create this desire in you for something that you want but can't have, like untold riches or ooh. or the prospect of wealth, right? And so yeah. that's always what gets you salivating, right? You're like, ooh, I'm really interested yeah. in this, you know, hey, this sounds good. And then they kind of build credibility, this tactic called source credibility or, or expertise, where you know, they, they either pretend to be with a reputable firm or claim to have a certain expertise or credential. You know, I'm the SVP of investor education at FINRA. So, of course, I have all this great knowledge right now. Of course you do. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but I could be lying, right? Ah. And, and, and the fact that I say it doesn't mean it's true. Now, in my case, it is true. But you never know. And and that's how people, they think, oh, wow, you know, this person went to fill in the blank of an Ivy League college, or this person has, you know, fill in the most uh, well-known financial credential. They might, but they might not. And you have to look beyond that. You know, credibility can be faked. The other things that they do, and this is particularly an issue for any kind of identifiable group, is this social consensus tactic where they they claim that you know other savvy investors are are in this and they might claim that like some of the well-known leading lights of investing you know the Warren Buffetts the Bill Gates blah 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 that those folks are all invested or they might say all the members of this particular religious denomination or this particular ethnic group or this particular profession are engaged in it. That this is a super smart tactic for ministers or a super smart tactic for doctors or lawyers or whatever the professional group is. But the idea, I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier where your goals, your needs are yours. And what's right for your neighbor might not be right for you. And so even if you share an affinity uh, with a group of people, the fact that others in that group are investing doesn't mean it's right for you. And the fact that someone tells you that others in the group are investing doesn't mean they actually are. They're just trying to get you to invest. There are a couple other tactics that we see. Reciprocity. I do you a favor. You do me a favor. I buy you lunch. You give me your life savings. Um, Oh, that's that's a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of educational seminars are just that. They're educational. They're opportunities to learn and there's nothing wrong with them. FINRA uses uh, educational opportunities like that. A lot of, a lot of organizations do, but there can be a line that gets crossed where, you know, you have the sense of like, oh, well, I learned all this information, I got this free book, I got this strategy from this company, so I should invest with them. And just be cautious. The worst though, is the scarcity tactic where the fraudsters will really start to get your emotions high by suggesting that the opportunity is either time limited or resource limited. There's only one more oil well and you have to buy now, or that it's only available to a certain exclusive group. And that, that can be the devastating one because that's where we all feel the sense of FOMO, right? The fear of missing out uh, right. if you don't act now. Yeah, but I I often say that there are really only a couple of once in a lifetime events and you know, birth and death are pretty much it. <laughs> so
2: Yeah. That is that is so true. And and the idea that everybody else is doing it, I'm gonna be the only one who doesn't make this grandiose amount of money from this investment, it really preys on your psychology and you wanna be part of what everybody else is doing it's it's human nature to to feel that way right um
3: but you know going back to the the discussion we had about social media you know and 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 the comment that you made just now about celebrating their gains that's another human nature element people celebrate their successes but they don't equally tout their failures and so for any one supposedly hot stock or hot opportunity or or wise strategy for anything, including investing, you know, where someone has made money, there are a lot of people who've lost money and just don't talk about it. So that's another thing. We have to train ourselves not to get caught up in the hype, but to make those decisions when our emotions are at a low, Not, not a not not a
2: low meaning down, but a, a low level of intensity. It's so easy to think that someone's Facebook life is fantastic, but they probably are having the same kind of daily problems and concerns that everyone else is. As you said, they're just not going to post that. And. If you didn't buy this investment and other people did and it didn't work out, they probably won't tell you that either. So that's yeah. a really good point. One of the other things that we're seeing
3: particularly uh, during the last, you know, several months of, of 2020 is, you know, with COVID market volatility. With financial strain that many Americans are feeling, with unemployment levels being high, and with uh, stay-at-home and safer-at-home uh, orders or recommendations coming from states, you know, there is a little bit of a perfect storm for financial fraud because some of the work that we've done in fraud susceptibility has, has pointed out that social isolation and, financial strain are two of the key predictors of susceptibility to financial frauds and investment frauds and we're kind of in that environment right now so yes. it's really important for people you know to talk with someone who doesn't have a stake in the game if you're thinking about making a financial decision whether it's a strategy for paying off your debt or an opportunity to invest um, in some sort of, you know, will win opportunity. You know, take the time to step back and talk to somebody that you trust who isn't going to gain financially one way or the other. They don't have a stake in your decision, but they might be able to give you some wisdom um, about making that decision.
2: That, that leads me to a, a, a thought. We've been, I've been reading a lot about Um, elderly grandparents um, or your parents or maybe some friends that, you know, they might have fallen victim because they do fall into a lot of this social isolation, even when it isn't a COVID-19 situation. And, you know, as you said, you should talk to someone before you make the decision. But if you don't and you get caught up in this, oftentimes you're too scared or ashamed to admit it on the back end, once you realize that you fell for the scam, or maybe you don't even know you've fallen for that scam yet. So what are some signs that we can look at in maybe the behaviors of our elderly parents, friends, grandparents, to see that if they have been a victim of the, a scam? Well, certainly um, when you see that somebody has a new friend,
3: whether it's a, a you know, a, a You know, especially with a widow or widower, um, if they've all of a sudden, you know, have a new boyfriend or new girlfriend uh, in their lives um, or caregivers, you know, there are a couple of things that people can do with their financial accounts, including putting a trusted contact on the account. FINRA requires the securities firms that are subject to its jurisdiction, broker-dealers, to ask their customers, their retail customers, for a trusted contact. Now, you don't have to provide one, but the firm is required to ask for that, and it really helps you, the consumer, because you you can designate somebody that you trust that if the firm can't get in touch with you, either because you're climbing Mount Kilimanjaro or you're running a marathon with the penguins in Antarctica, right? I mean, it might not be (laughs) that you're incapacitated. It might be some other reason. But if they see suspicious activity happening in your account and can't reach you, or are worried that you're part of some sort of, you know, that you've been sort of manipulated by a new boyfriend, new girlfriend, then they have somebody that they can talk to to make sure that you're okay. Thinking about, none of us really want to think about aging and reaching points of incapacity, but it is important to think about how we want to manage our assets um, should we hit a period of incapacity, and certainly after we die. Um, and there are uh, resources that we have about sort of, you know, putting together powers of attorney, transfer on death orders that you can do to make sure that your assets are disposed of the way you want them to. But those key signs of fraud are sort of large, unexplained money leaving the account. If an elderly relative suddenly changes their appearance. You know, they're not bathing, they're disheveled, they're not able to speak as much. There may be a health issue that's driving that, but there may also be, you know, a, a financial component to something untoward going on in their lives. It's really important to investigate.
2: That's that's very good advice. So the next time I get on and my account says, do you want to add a trusted contact? I'm not going to click skip now. I think I'll click in yes. (laughs) Add one in there.
3: (laughs) Exactly. It's a wise idea.
2: Well, because the point is well taken. You may not need to be elderly for this to be a problem. You could be incapacitated in many different ways or just unable to have access to your account. So that's a very good point. It it works for all of us. Continuing on the idea of um, fraud schemes, if you think that someone is approaching you or is trying to pull a scheme over on you, what are some things that you can do to help prevent yourself from being drawn into that?
3: One of the most important things you can do is end the conversation. Um, And that's harder than you think it might be. But, you know, we encourage people to practice saying no. And, you know, some people have a difficult time saying no. Um, but you know practice over and over I'm sorry I'm not interested thank you or you know I never make my investment decisions without consulting my and then fill in the blank it can be you know your your niece your accountant your your pastor whoever it is you can use me I mean go ahead and invent this mythical you know sister or counselor or something like that but get yourself away, like turn the table and ask questions, Um, you know, especially if somebody's touting something that has, you know, extraordinary benefits, start, start kind of, you know, being your own devil's advocate and asking, well, okay, you're telling me how this can make me money. How can I lose money? You know, what would it take to make money and how might that thing not happen? Right. If your ship has to come in for your riches to arrive, what happens if a, you know, a a storm takes down the ship before it ever reaches harbor? Those kinds of, of questions. And then, you know, make sure that, you know, ask whether the person is registered to sell investments or to even give investment advice. In the United States, the securities laws do protect investors by requiring that people who sell securities or give investment advice have to be registered either with FINRA, with the Securities and Exchange Commission, or with the state securities regulator. Every state has a securities regulator and there's an organization called NASA, the North American Securities Administrators Association, that has information on how you can get in touch with your state securities regulator. But find out more about the product. And when you start peppering people with questions, They might be a little bit irritated. They might feel like, hey, I'm the expert. Let me just take care of this for you. But if they're a scammer, they'll probably give up because you're not worth the effort. And then, you know, as we discussed earlier, talk to somebody else, you know, make sure that you not only end the conversation, but like run the idea by someone who doesn't have a stake in the game. So it's sort of like embrace skepticism. We all like to trust other people. But we really, in order to do right by ourselves and by our financial goals and by our families, it's really important that we
2: exercise caution when it comes to making financial decisions. Are there any uh, tools available? Because someone can tell me their license, but how could I check up on them? FINRA offers a,
3: a, a free tool that's available 24 7 on our website. It's called Broker Check. And you can get to it by going to finra.org/brokercheck. And you can look up a financial professional and find out whether they are licensed as a registered investment professional, a broker, uh, or a, an investment advisor. And you can also see the history. That they've had, how long they've been in the industry, which firms they've worked at, you know whether they've worked at uh, a series of firms that have gone out of business might be of interest for you, or firms that have been sanctioned. They may have sanctions themselves. You can gain access to their disciplinary history. The, the truth is that most of the individuals who are you know, registered as brokers or investment advisors or honest, hardworking people who want to do right by their clients. Um, But there are a couple of people who have had um, customer complaints that have wound up in the customer's favor. Um, And if you are going to be trusting your money to someone, you probably want to know whether they have, you know, uh, a history of regulatory run-ins.
2: I know that um, you also had a series of videos that we made a course out of them where we put situations and like the the scarcity one, you know, if you saw this, what, what should you do? And in, in that video, it does have some techniques of how you can turn the conversation on someone. And I think your point about if you're the one that's asking a lot of questions, they're not going to want to deal with you and they'll find a way to to back away? Because they're looking for the easy money, I'm guessing.
3: That's usually the case. It's just, it's too much effort. And, you know, I think that's why you see more phishing scams, you know, email scams, um, social media scams, those kinds of things, because that's sort of, you know, you can really spread your your seeds far and wide uh, in terms of trying to... uh, get somebody to part with their money, whereas the one-on-one interaction that's usually necessary for an investment fraud is um, its a little more time consuming, and the fraudsters aren't going to waste time on someone who's peppering them with questions.
2: Jerry, we discussed what seems like two very different topics, um, financial preparedness and investor fraud. And these two areas really affect what has been very popular in the financial press, this idea of your sense of well-being, where finances have a really big part of that. So can you describe a little bit about what you think of when you hear financial well-being and how investor fraud and financial preparedness tie into that?
3: Financial well-being has a it's in it's an emerging term and it has a variety of definitions but when i think of financial well-being it's satisfaction with where you are with what you have um so it's less about knowledge um it's less about income but it's more about being able to make ends meet feeling like you can plan ahead feeling like you're able to achieve financial goals with what you have and if you've lost money to a financial fraud, you've not only lost those dollars, you've likely had non-monetary impacts as well. Loss of sleep, uh, inability to trust, anxiety. And many of us in the United States are already pretty anxious. Um, but you know, to be all the more anxious because you've lost money, feeling this sense that you're not able to recover... And there are also additional impacts, so these non-monetary losses, the, the actual loss itself of the investment, but it can be costly to be a victim of financial fraud, because you often have legal bills, you might have late charges that you incur because money that you thought you were going to have to, you know, achieve a certain milestone or pay off a certain bill is no longer available to you. So there are some serious consequences and a particularly significant hit to one's sense of well-being overall, physically uh, and financially.
2: Yeah, that's that's a very interesting um, tie-in of the two. And I, I'm glad that we were able to make that because I think that there are so many people out there who do feel this anxiety around their finances. And um, I think your financial capability study um, showed that almost about half of the people are very anxious. So adding something like investor fraud on top of that on top of COVID-19 pandemic, it it can be a substantial hit to somebody's overall well-being, not just financial well-being. Exactly. So this has been a very, very informative conversation. And I really want to thank you for sharing your experience with us. Your enthusiasm and your care really come out in the way you answered and way you responded. And I just want to thank you for that. And it's been such a pleasure talking with you. Well, thank you. It's been a joy for me. So, Krishna, I'm going to hand it back to you for some final closing comments.
1: Thanks again, Jerry and Janet. I've certainly learned a lot about financial capability and investment fraud. And I'm sure our audience has as well. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. Theme music for our podcast is by Fran McKendry. Be sure to visit the e-learning library and learning center on cpg.org for wellness resources. And please join us again for Choose Well.
0: Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fees and other terms and restrictions may apply. The information presented here is not investment advice and does not take into account the investment objectives, financial situation, or retirement needs of particular individuals. It is important that you consider this information in the context of your personal risk tolerance, investment objectives, and financial and retirement goals. You should not rely on this information in making any investment or other decision that will affect your personal financial, retirement, or tax situation. You should contact your own professional advisor prior to making any such decision. Neither the Church Pension Fund nor any of its affiliates, collectively, CPG, is responsible for the content, performance, or security of any website referenced herein that is outside the www.cpg.org domain or that is not otherwise associated with a CPG entity. You've been listening to Choose Well from the Church Pension Group.